Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Today we get to hear from the scriptures from John chapter 4. And I've entitled today's message, Missing the Point. A lot of you like to take notes, you do so in the app or either on your own. Missing the point is what we're calling this message today. Uh, If you're new to us, what we do during this time is we simply open up the Bible, uh, we read to it, and we ask ourselves, what might God want to reveal to me today? And I believe that no matter who you are, no matter your religious background, no matter your past, God wants to speak with us. So when we read his word and we ask ourselves, God, what are you trying to say to me today? We trust that he'll reveal something to you. So that being said, I think there's going to be a moment in the message today where it may not be like this boom, big, life-changing thing, but you're going to say, that was for me today. And I'd encourage you to listen to that and lean into it as well. So missing the point, what do I mean by this? Uh, I think sometimes as a society and as individuals, we miss the point. Can you think of a way as society we've missed the point? The first one for me that comes to mind is the athletic field. I think of uh, even just our own NASREC here, the kids that are out here playing soccer uh, throughout the week. I think as a society, sometimes we have missed the point because it will go either in one direction or the other. I think you've seen what I'm talking about. You'll see the field and you'll see these little kids and when they score a goal, the kid's like, woo! I think I scored. And the parents are losing their mind. Yes, Johnny did it. We finally scored. We're going to win. We're going to beat the other team. Those losers on the other side. We're going to win. I'm like, what? Wow. So you go from that of like one kid leaving the field like, I won today and it is the best moment of my life. And then on the other side, you've got the little kid who's crying all the way to his car and in the car and all the way home because the most important thing in his life was to win first place and he didn't win first place and he's very sad about it. And so they say, oh, we've missed the point because with little kids, what should be about? You know, do your best, have fun, and that's all that matters. So everybody gets a participation trophy. Here you go. You get one and you get one and you get one. Now we've got it, right? On one side. And then the other side again is like, no, because then we're not teaching competition and we're not teaching these great, grand, glorious, life-altering moments of winning. And that's what it's about. First of all, if you're a parent and you're trying to relive your losses through your own kids' wins, I think you've missed the point as a parent, but that's a side note. (laughs) What are we doing? We've missed the point one way or another. What's the point of athletics in the first place? However you answer that. Man, maybe even closer to home, as a spouse, if you're married, you read that moment in communication where you're like, ooh, we have obviously missed the point somewhere with one another. Maybe there's a small disagreement about something in your home, and you start talking about it, and well, and I think you did this, and you should have done this, and you talk, and the more you talk, you're like, well, I think you're missing the point, I think you're missing the point, and then all of a sudden, like, well, are we really talking about this anymore? There was this thing in the past that was totally resolved, right? Oh, and it's not resolved anymore, and is, are we actually talking about that now? Are we talking about this? And you end the conversation, and you're like, what just happened? We just missed the point on how we talk to one another? How do we get it? I think of it this way. 
when I'm 70 years old, I want to wake up. I, I do not want to, at 70 years old, wake up, look at my life, my work, my family, everything, and say, did I miss the point? What was this all really about in the first place? Uh, what about the bigger things of life? What about purpose? Uh, what about the intentionality of where I gave my time? Did I give it to the right things? Why are we here in the first place? Why do we exist? What is this all about? What do we do with these bigger questions? And what do you do with the bigger questions? I think we miss the point sometimes. Today from scripture in John chapter four, we're gonna read the story of a woman who encounters Jesus who is missing the point at every point in the conversation. She's missing it. Yet from this encounter with Jesus, we can learn about what life is really all about. Help us live so that we will not miss the point ourselves. So if you have your Bible, you can open it or in the app, you click Sundays, click Bible. It'll go straight to John chapter four. Let's read this together. So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. Now, I recognize most of you haven't spent a lot of time with biblical archaeology or uh, archaeology from 2,000 years ago to know where cities and regions are. Jesus is leaving the center of where relig religiosity is found. Jerusalem, where people know about God, they serve God, they seek God. There's different sects that disagree with each other about how they all follow Jesus and who's got it more correct. Jesus is leaving and going through Samaria. Now, if you're not a church person, you hear Samaritan. Maybe you've heard of the Good Samaritan, and so you think of somebody good. But in this day, the Jews hated the Samaritans. In fact, they would do everything they could to avoid them. That's why you almost get this, he had to go through Samaria. And if you really want the Bible knowledge, you go back to 2 Kings, and the, the northern kingdom was deported, and then they got brought back, but then they got all these other people mixed in there. So the Jews are looking at them like, you're kind of our relatives, but you've stopped honoring God. Or you still worship God, but now you worship all these other people too, and you're not following the way that God would want for you. And for centuries, they just hate each other. To the point they shouldn't talk to each other, they shouldn't interact with one another. We go around towns to avoid them. This is the place where Jesus is choosing to enter into, and he goes, draws near the field and through a well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, can you picture this, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So can you picture it? Hot day in the Middle East, about noon, Jesus tired sitting there. A woman comes up. He says, please give me a drink. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? At this point, I want to draw something out here. It's interesting to me that oftentimes throughout human history, we set up barriers or we, we label people and then that creates division between this person and this person. And take your pick, whatever uh, race, language, whatever it is throughout all of history, we, we set a line and there are these people and these people. Jesus in this story is not content just to hang out with the more holy religious Jews that he would have come from. 
but he goes out of his way to have a conversation with somebody that says, wait, 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 you and I, we really shouldn't be talking to one another. When I think of our culture today, I think of people that attend churches, people that do good things, they serve, and man, we're the church people, we're the people that Jesus loves. I've been a Christian my whole life. I remember Sunday school and VBS and Awana or whatever else, clubs, programs. I've been here my whole life. And in our brain, we think, well, that's where Jesus should be then, and he is. And then there's someone else who would self-identify as, yeah, I didn't really grow up in church at all. Or, man, I grew up in church and I just had this bad experience and if that's the God, the the God of the Bible, and I don't really know what I think and I have distanced myself from this Jesus. Yet even then, from this story, because think about this, Samaritan woman would have been spiritual, she would have believed in God, but not in the right or correct ways that everybody else would have thought. Jesus draws new to the spiritual but not religious person to have a conversation with him. He says, please give me a drink. Jesus replies, why are you talking to me? If you only knew the gift of God that he has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Not just water, I would give you living water. It seems at this point, the woman has missed the point. She's just coming to get water. Here's a guy who's saying, hey, get me some water. And she's like, why why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, you've missed the point. If you knew who I was, man, you'd not only get me a drink, you'd be asking me for a drink of water and I would give you living water. She's missed it at this point. She said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket? And this well is really deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How could you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, Jesus is making a distinction between the physical, well, how can you give me water? I gotta come back here. How can you say I'll never be thirsty again? And the spiritual, I can give you living water. And if you know your scriptures, you'll see what Jesus is claiming here. And you can do this on your own time this week if you want to. Jesus is claiming to be God. I am the one who can give the fountain of living water. Just a few, Jeremiah 2, it reads, my people have abandoned me. I am the fountain of living water. Zechariah 13, a fountain will be opened, a fountain to cleanse God's people from all their sins and their impurity. Jesus is saying, I am the living water. I can give this to you. This distinction to me is interesting. The physical and the spiritual. And when I think about the, the physical, we know we need food, we know we need water to stay alive. Can I just ask you real fast, like, how many hours do you go before you get hungry? For me, I feel like a, a natural person. You got breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe a snack in the middle of the afternoon if you want, maybe a snack like 10, 11 p.m. if you're still up. I don't know if that's normal. I would consider that normal, uh, how often I get hungry. I don't understand. Sometimes I, I get home from work and my wife is like, man, I'm just really hungry before dinner. And I'm like, well, what'd you have for lunch? Well, this kid was crying and this kid needed a nap and this kid, and honestly, I forgot to eat lunch. I'm like, how do you forget to eat lunch? That's like the most important, food is like the most important part of the day. How do you forget? 
Or then my small children, five and two and now eight weeks, uh, who, well, I guess the eight-week-old literally cries if he doesn't get his food. Uh, But the five and the two-year-old, I realized, they are hungry all the time. If I was going to plot it, I I realized the only time my children are not hungry is when they're actually supposed to eat. Sit down at the dinner table. (laughs) Sit down at the dinner table. Here's your food. I I spent like 10 minutes cooking this for you. No, I don't want it. Okay, whatever. Five minutes later, I'm hungry. No, no, this this doesn't work like this. My kids will say, if you don't get me goldfish on the hour every hour, I am starving, starving. Now let me ask you, how long can you go without a drink? How long can you survive without water? Maybe three days, up to 21 if the conditions are right, is what the scientists say. Some of you maintain your body well. You are well fed. Actually, that almost just sounded like an insult, didn't it? Well, sorry, (laughs) chose my words better there. You maintain your body well. You take care of it, you eat, you exercise, you work out. You drink water, stay healthy. But then, physical side, on the spiritual side, when was the last time you gave yourself a drink? Physically, we die after a couple days. Spiritually, a lot of times days, weeks, months, years. And if you had to consider the condition of your soul, man, I'm kind of dead on the inside. Spiritually, I'm wondering, I don't know. I'm not experiencing this fresh, bubbling spring of life that Jesus is talking about. That's why Romans 6 and Jesus, or Paul, is writing and says, you were once dead in your sin. Your spiritual life, your soul, you have been dead. Yet when you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, he's the son of God who has come into the world to take away our sin. More than that, God raised him from the dead after his death on the cross. And because of that victory, now we can have a new life and victory over sin. We don't have to choose sin. We don't have to be in bondage to addiction. We don't have to have these things in our life. We can choose victory through the spirit living within us. So we say, I believe, as scriptures say, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Romans 10 says. So then God sends the Holy Spirit to come and live within us. And God's Spirit, which is God on board in our life, teaching us and showing us how to live, whispering good and holy and perfect things in our conscience. Hey, you should go love them. Oh, you have that check in your spirit because you just lied when you shouldn't have. Yeah, you should probably confess that, apologize, make it right. He lives within us. He's constantly drawing us back to God's people, God's community. Man, so many times in today's world and post-COVID, and I understand it, you know, people would say, well, I can be a Christian without ever coming to church. True, you can pray, you can accept Jesus, you can follow him. I would also say this, I can be married without ever going home. But what would, what would eventually happen in the relationship We are designed to live in community with one another. The growing anxiety and isolation that we experience as a culture, the church is supposed to be the antidote, the solution, because that's how life is supposed to be lived, with others, loving them well, serving others well. So the Spirit draws us back into community. It draws us back to the Bible and to prayer and to know and to seek God, and it becomes this fresh, living life within us because... Scripture says the Holy Spirit produces these things. This isn't you producing it out of who you are on the inside and self-actualizing, self-realizing this in your life instead. No, the Holy Spirit will produce in you joy and love and peace, 
patience, kindness, and goodness, the list goes on. So God is actually the one responsible once we invite him in, and he'll bring this about in our life so that when people will look at our life, it's not a dead, dry, dreary desert. Instead, it's fresh. It's the oasis. I have this life with God. It's green. It's abundant, Jesus said. You have abundant life with me. Jesus says, this is the living water. Physically, we take care of ourselves. Maybe today, what's your spiritual checkup? When's the last time you were fed? And if it's just once every seven days, how do you feed yourself in the meantime? How are we growing spiritually and staying alive in the midst of this? Story goes on. When you hear this, when Jesus says, I can give you this fresh bubbling water, you'll never need to drink again. She responds the same way we do. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I want that. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come back here to get water. It's like, oh, yes, this is true. Give me this water. She gets it. Well, then I don't have to come back here and, like, keep filling up my jar every day and going back to town, missing the point, maybe, again. Now, here's a really, really interesting turn in this story. And if you're reading it, maybe this would be a good place to stop at this point. But if you've got your Bible in front of you, you notice that Jesus takes a very hard right turn, sharp in conversation. Yes, give me this water. You know what Jesus responds with? Go and get your husband, Jesus says. Why is Jesus going here? Jesus, what are you doing here? I picture them sitting beside the well. He says, go and get your husband. And there's this like awkward pause, silence, She's like, are we really going to address this? Are we really going to talk about this? She says, I don't have a husband, the woman said. Jesus responds to her and says, no, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You have certainly spoken the truth. Doesn't that feel a little, like, hard? Feel a little harsh? <laughs> Jesus, how tired are you that you're responding this way? Why, why is he doing this? As I sat here um, this week and as I was studying this passage, I realized something. Jesus is turning the conversation to make it be about truth. He said, yes, you have said this. You have certainly spoke the truth. And her response is, sir, you must be a prophet. So watch this. Jesus is pointing out something that is true in her life that she would rather not address to make her realize, wait, this is more than just a man at a well. This is the man who's speaking the words of God, a prophet. Man, this is somebody else. So Jesus, by pointing out this truth, it would rather not be addressed, is revealing himself to God, to her. And I would say this for us today. Jesus often reveals some truth in your life. It's not gonna come up in everyday conversation. Hey, go get your husband. No, you're not married? Oh, this is awkward now. He's gonna reveal some truth about your life that you would rather not talk about, but why is he doing it? He wants to show you that he is God if you respond to him. And his end goal isn't like, wow, wow, I have five husbands. Woo, yikes, we should probably get this figured out. No, his end goal is grace and transformation. So here's what it looks like. Maybe you have a sin in your life that nobody else knows about. You hear that whisper from the spirit that says, hey, listen, we should address this. We need to talk about this. And because it's in our mind most of the time, we're like, nope, I ain't talking about it, and I don't want to talk about it with anybody else. It's my own little hidden part of my life. Yet if we were to respond to that, hey, you should probably go tell a friend that you're struggling with this. You should probably confess your sin so that you may be healed, as the scripture says. You should go and do that. If we respond in that way, and then we experience God's healing, 
Oh, now we see that God pointed out that truth in us, for his end goal was grace and transformation, and he is God, because he changed something in me that I couldn't even change myself. Where I was weak, he was strong and able to change. So friends, today, I would simply ask you, is God revealing something to you? And probably it's not even in this moment. As you've lived your life, there's a reoccurring thought. God works with us that way. Man, you should address this. You should change this. This is not okay. We need to come back to it. Maybe today would be the day where you would respond to that. Ask God to move and work in your life so that you can see him as God. So picture this conversation. No, you've had five husbands. It's an awkward moment. If you're the woman at the well, how do you respond? She doesn't really want to talk about it. Immediately, she takes a turn of her own, and it continues. She says, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? So the Samaritans only had the five books of the Bible, so they believe that that was the place where Abraham made the sacrifices. That's where we need to worship. The Jews have the, everything else that we have here and believe that God continued to work and speak through his people. So Jerusalem, this is a theological question. Jesus, why are you saying, is it here, is it here? What, what, is, what are we doing here? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where you no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain in or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, it is indeed here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this way. For God is spirit. He's saying God is, can be everywhere. It's not about this mountain. It's not about that. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Lady, again, you're, you're missing the point. It's not about that mountain. It's not about this mountain. It's not about where. It's about who. It's not about where you seek God. It's about how and that you do seek God. It's not about the where of your location. I gotta be in church. It's instead of the object of your attention's fixation. Scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Can I just, can I just say this real fast? A lot of you think, well, I, I go to church to meet with God. And then when I leave, well, I, that, that was here. I've compartmentalized that here. Some of the most holy moments in my life, it has happened in Sunday morning church for sure, happen in people's living rooms, in a life group, as we read Bibles together, we pray for one another. It's happened under the stars, next to the fire pit, as we have real conversations about God and about life. It's happened in my car, where I'm all alone, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm crying out to God in that place, and I felt him near. It's in the morning with coffee and my Bible open. What it look like for you to seek God when you're not here? So worship the Father, make him the object, it's not about the where. And if you do, you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and reveal himself to you. The woman, as we end this story, she says, well, I don't know, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. She's missed it again. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. You see, she believed, oh, be because of what Moses said, because I had the first five books of the Bible, there's another one who's going to come. He's going to reveal everything true to us. 
And Jesus says, you want to talk about Moses revealing what is true. Do you remember when Moses drew near to the bush and God came near and he said, God, what's your name? He said, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am not only the God of Moses, I am the Messiah. God has become man and I have come to save you. I am the truth and I speak the truth. Do you not see me? She's missed the point of what is right in front of her. Well, friends, today I, I hope you have already said one or two things. Man, this is for me. This, this was good. This is what I needed to hear. This is what I need to go do differently in my life. But there's two things today that I at least want all of us to see. The first one is this. I hope that everyone today would respond to the God who is addressing you. Because no matter who you are, churchy, not, spiritual, not, whatever you think about God or not, I believe he wants to have a conversation with you. I want you to see this. When we read this the first time, this is what we read, had to go through Samaria, he sat wearily beside the well, and he pretty much asked, please give me a drink. Now I study and I prepare as well as I can for these moments, so I'm looking this week, reading the Greek, does this really make sense? And I learned so much, and I want you to see this, you have to nerd out with me for just a second, but I think this is good. When we read, he had to go through Samaria. This isn't so much like, oh, we have to go, we hate those Samaritans, but we gotta go, that's where the interstate goes, we gotta go through town anyway, I have to go. No, instead you read what should be read, the attitude perspective behind it, not he had to, but to accomplish God's mission, to accomplish God's purposes, to fulfill his divine destiny, it forced him to go through Samaria. To be the God who is reaching out and seeking and saving those who were far away from him, I have to go through Samaria. I have to meet with someone. So he has to go through. And then it says, well, he sat on the well. Actually, differently, if you read it in the Greek, it doesn't say he sat, he doesn't sit beside it, he's sitting on the well, which is a kind of weird picture, Jesus sitting on the rocks. Why would he do this? And it says he's doing this about noontime, which one chapter earlier, John chapter three, he's meeting Nicodemus in the dark, in the night, it is secretive. Now Jesus is saying, I'm gonna sit on the well, I'm gonna sit in your pathway, I'm gonna interrupt your regularly scheduled life to have a conversation with you in the light of day. I don't care who knows about it. I am coming here to talk with you and to have a conversation with you. And instead of asking, can you give me a drink? It's actually more of a command. No, give me a drink. I'm starting this conversation. I want to talk with you. Friends, some of you been here for years. Some of you first time. Some of you watching online for the first time. What if I told you this is the God that we serve? I don't know about the God that you kind of thought of and believed in growing up. The God who says, I want to speak with you. Yeah, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. Man, I'm the least religious person. I don't even know if I consider myself to be a good person at all. You don't know. No, God is drawing near to say, can we talk today? Can we have a conversation? Can I point out some truth? Can I show you that I am God if you would follow me? I hope that you see that he wants to have a conversation with you. Those nudges that he's giving you, would you respond to them today? But secondly, and this is a response today for those that are a little bit more critical and a little bit more cynical. Those that have said, well, I have been in church, but I still don't know what I think about this Jesus. For those that are coming into church for the first times with their arms folded. There's an interesting moment that happens here. And she says to Jesus, yeah, but Jesus, she points out what he doesn't have. Jesus, you don't have a rope or a bucket. 
and this well is deep. Where do you think you're going to get this water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water? I think the watching world looks at Christians and says, really? Here's all the things you can't do because you're a Christian. You really think you can offer me a better life than if I were to choose to live life on my own? I feel like the world looks at us and says, man, you silly Christians. Yeah, you can't have popularity because you believe in a God who lays down his life for others. You don't have this amazing status where everybody loves you because you choose to live silently serving and loving those around you instead. You don't get the wild parties and all the amazing experiences that we had because you choose to follow this God that has rules and you don't get to do whatever you want. Man, look what you're missing out on. Do you really think you can live a better life than the one that I have lived now? For me, friends, we surrender to God's, what he says for us, his commands. Because if he is the author of life, he created it, he knows the best way to live it. And I want you to see this. This is so good. First John, don't love this world or the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and in pride in our achievements and our possessions, look what I've accumulated, look how good I am, but this is just a, a craving. When you have it, you need more. You get it, and it only lasts for a moment, and then you're on to the next time where you're looking for it again. For these are not from the Father, but these are things of this world, and this world is fading away. Our pride, our accomplishments, how many bedrooms we have, the car you have, the clothes you wear, it's all gonna fade away at one point, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God, this is what is lasting, will live forever. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. This is fast. You are free in regard to the way that God would order the world, the way that God wants you to live in righteous, loving him, loving others. You are free from it. You don't have to do anything. Do anything you want to. Serve yourself with whatever you want. Whatever you want, you grab, you take it, you hold on to it. Nobody else matters. Their opinions don't matter. You do what you want, which is a lot of our cultural thoughts today. Do it. Go ahead. I don't care. Go for it. But if you do, and I love this question, but what fruit were you getting when you were living that way, oh, I'll do what I want, whatever. What came from it? Where are you at today? Did it satisfy your soul? Did it bring you long-lasting happiness? What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Mm. From the period of my own life, oh, going to the parties, the drinks, drugs, girls, whatever you want, go for it. Sometimes it's a shorter time frame. For others, it's much, much, much longer. But one day you wake up. Am I happy? Who I've become? Am I happy? Actually, when I look back on those decisions, whew, I'm pretty ashamed of most of them. What does it look like instead to turn and trust the God who gave you life, who knows the best way to live life? God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to serve other people the way that you have designed me. The end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you've become slaves to God. The fruit you get, so you live for Jesus, you follow him, you love him, you serve others, you do everything you can to know God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end 
eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God who said, I've created you. I want to know you. If you come home to me, it's not that you have to work, that you have to do better, that you have to try harder, be better. It's free. Come home. I want to live in relationship with you. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to transform your heart, set you back on the right path, show you what a real abundant life looks like. Would you come home? The most beautiful play of words here today, missing the point. Man, she missed the point. We miss the point sometimes, too. The biblical definition of sin is to miss the mark. You shoot an arrow and there's the target and you missed. It missed the point. So I would say this, sin is simply living out a reality that is not what God had intended for us. You've been living for yourself and not what God would want. Maybe it's time to come home to confess it and begin to live with him. But Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water be thirsty again. Friend, if you're tired of the craving, come to the living water, come to the source. But those who drink the water I give them, they won't be thirsty again. Becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them. It will lead them beginning now into eternal life. I hope our response is the same as the woman's in the story. Lord, give me this water today. I don't want to wake up at 70 and say, did I miss it? What was the point? Man, if I live my life moment by moment, not perfect at all, God, what do you want me to do? How can I love you? How can I serve others? Man, I want to wake up at 70, I want to have a full head of gray hair, not balding, just perfect, beautiful gray hair. Get like 20 grandkids around me, spoon feeding Lucky Charms, go play some golf. It's going to be great. But is that what makes a good life? I mean, that sounds great but internally in your soul. What if you could say, and even if you're 70, let's talk about when you're 80, when you're 90. What if you could say, for the future, ah, oh, did I miss it? Yeah, I missed some things in life. Missed that, shouldn't have said that to my kids, shouldn't have treated my spouse that way. I missed some things. But the biggest things, I know who I am. I know who created me. I know why I'm here. I live in a relationship with a God who loves me. And I lift up all those around me by the way that I serve them in love, just as Jesus has done for me. Oh, and the big things? Now I know I didn't miss it. I've lived life with God. Friends, that's available for each one of us today. Continually love him and serve others. Would you pray with me? God, I'm thankful today that you are not the God who just sits in heaven and with your arms folded and watches but that you draw near, that you became man to show us how to live this abundant life. And what has you live, you don't even just stay in the center of where religious people are supposed to be. You go out of your way to seek and save each and every one of us. You sit in front of us demanding a conversation. God, for us today, may we respond to you. Jesus, give us this living water. Give me what I need today that will bring new life, refreshing, reviving type of life to my soul. Friend, whoever you are today, you can simply say, Jesus, I need you. I know I have been dead on the inside spiritually. I need new life. I need your joy. I need your peace. I need your contentment. God, I, honestly, I need the community. I'm tired of being alone. Jesus, I need your living water 
today. Could you say that if that's you? Jesus, I need your living water today. God, help us to be a people. It's not just one, it's every seven days. Constantly taking drinks from you. From your spirit that lives within us, teaching us and guiding us, convicting us, correcting us, showing us the way forward to become more and more like you, living out abundant life with you. Jesus, change us, transform us, shape us and form us into the people that you have created us to be. Jesus, I'm thankful for these moments that you draw near. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc slash engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.